Welcome back to another episode of the Rural Perspectives Podcast. I'm the host, Adam Albrick, and today we'll be discussing the topic of women in agriculture. Here to chat with us is Carolyn Zern, president of the American Agro Women. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you. I'm excited to be doing this. We are happy to have you here. In order to get us kicked off today, I think it would be really helpful for people to understand who we're talking to. So could you tell us about your story? You didn't necessarily come from a farming background, but now here you are in a leadership role of a group dedicated to women in agriculture. No, I did not come from an ag background, except you know when I was first born, it was like, okay, I think I was three years old and my parents moved away from the farm. Uh, so it was all I have is a few pictures and it was a lot different than anyway. Uh, the farming techniques were so different as well, but no, I did not. I was raised in California, not on a farm. I, however, still had uh, a lot of relatives in this area. And so just visiting them is when I met my husband and we started farming, uh, together, but with his family. Uh, we milked cows, we had livestock, we had some hogs. But in the midst of raising a family, you get involved in a lot of things. And that would be your 4-H, which I was always very active in that with the kids and the FFA. But before that, as being a wife to an established farmer, there was a lot of things that I needed to learn and I wanted to learn. Uh, people used to call our house, and and I think we had six people on our party line then. <laughs> anyway, they would call our house looking for Bill. And no matter what time of year, no matter what they were doing, I would say, he's out plowing. And I didn't know the difference between everything. And so I really said it. I wanted to learn. I wanted to be that person. Well, within about a year or two, I was driving our trucks into the elevator if we were loading grain or, or anything like that. Um, I was also uh, doing a lot of our field work at that time. So I had to learn all of these processes. I also learned that there was farmers who don't, uh, I don't, I don't understand why there's always a broken truck. Why is there brakes that don't work on these trucks as we're hauling? And I would say, you know, it's pretty tough to get this truck to stop. Oh, yeah, 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 you know, that whole deal. <laughs> Until I ran into one of our neighbors at the elevator, because it just coasted down and ran into the back of another uh, grain truck. Well, all the brakes were fixed on all the trucks after that, believe me. <laughs> it just, I, I talked to other women, far, you know, women that were married to farmers, and they have gone through that same process. Um, it, oh, never back up in the field. Oh, but who backs up in the field and runs into somebody's combine? Not me, but we won't say who did. So I wanted to be as involved as I could with the kids, with their 4-H uh, projects. Uh, and we did everything from hogs to horses uh, to uh, shooting sports. And then the boys and girls both got into FFA. And with that, it went into a little bit different thought uh, as far as they weren't such easy projects they took on. I was very proud of the kids. They would get the top entrepreneurial uh, award and, and the grains award and that kind of thing. And, and both of our sons became president of our chapter. That took me up until about the eight, end of the 80s, early 90s. I needed to uh, get my uh, college degree 
if I wanted to be a sales representative for a chemical company or any of that type of thing. And so I had a couple of years that I needed to finish and yet I still had a six year old at home. We have five children. Now we have 13 grandchildren. And when I had all the children at home, it was a little difficult to work out of the home sometimes, work on the farm and also with them. And so starting uh, college again, it was more of a older than average type setting. And I finally did get a degree in sales and marketing. I was able to land a very, very good job where I could work three days a week. It was excellent because when I was busy, we always had a parent there. So Bill would be around the farm working. All of the kids could go with him or most of them. I would say three of them were already in high school and I didn't need to worry so much about them. Uh, so it was, a, it was an easy transition just because my husband and I work as a team. I did that, I worked out of the home and I would come home if it was combining, I'd jump in a combine. And then when any of the kids came home from school, they'd take over for me. And it was just our farm, I believed was going very strong. We needed to do a little diversity and that diversity then was going into sugar beets, which is a whole new uh, thought process, different equipment. Uh, we ended up having to put on, we had 27 employees at that time. So as the, as the female part of this uh, operation, which I learned later was actually a co-partner to everything that, I, that we did on this farm, uh, that was a little bit different, you know, talking to people, trying to hire them. But gradually our son took over all of that and I was able then probably because of the diversity in our farming operation, which basically we did to stay alive. There was poor grain prices. What could we do to gain more funds? Both of our kids' uh, sons wanted to farm. They were not allowed to just stay on the farm. They needed to go out and uh, either get a different part of education, work off the farm, whatever it was. And I think that really helped uh, how we put the farm end of it together. All of our children stayed in agriculture, whether it's on a farm or whether it's selling crop insurance, uh, working for the uh, FSA, any of that kind of thing, which I'm pretty proud about that part. Uh, they liked growing up on a farm. And so my story was, is that, okay, so now I'm gonna retire from my off farm job. What do I do? My son's said, well, you know, we got three full-time hired men now because, I mean, you know, this was a gradual process of this farm growing, coming from basically a little dairy farm up into what we have now. And we did it together, which is a great thing. My, my oldest son said, mom, if you're going to crawl up into the tractor, it looks pretty ridiculous for us to have our retired mom doing that when we have all these hired men and ourselves and and uh, two sons and my, my husband. And that's when he said, we need to stay in farming, mom. We need you to go out and do what you do best. You need to sell us to the public. You need to be on, on these agriculture boards, making a difference so that we can continue to farm. And that's what got me to where I am now. And that's what I do. 
Well, given the fact that there are so many people removed from agriculture, I think it's very understandable that even some of the things that might seem very simple to understand in agriculture, you know, it takes time to learn about them and to figure it all out. But now the American Agri-Women is a group that you are the president of. Could you just tell us a little bit more about what the group does and who they are? Yes. So 45, 46 years ago, American Agri-Women came into being. Uh, they established our organization because there was so much going on out in the countryside that was trying to um, deteriorate farming practices and forestry. Because we are, we're not only just farmers, and I shouldn't say just, we're not only farmers, ranchers, we have forestry, we have uh, women in mining. We So we have coal, all kinds of minerals. We have petroleum. We have a lot of the forestry women are our strongest women that we have. If you remember years back, our forests were just about shut down. Uh, there was no more timber to be able to farm on your own practically, just because of the rules and regulations that they put in. So all of these uh, families that had been provided jobs by having timber, uh, they were losing those jobs and they were having to find different ways to make a, a living for their family. This is when this group of women got together. They decided that they were going to go to D.C. and they were going to work on establishing, uh, putting together and letting our legislative people know what is happening out in the timber fields, out in the mining, out in the regular farming and ranching fields. They did a great job. We've always been a strong organization. We always knew that we needed to be strong with our senators and our congressmen, everything about what we do at a state level and at a national level. We put together our policy and procedures. We know what we're going to do for the year. We have exceptional women that know something about everything. So they are the chairs of those various committees. That's kind of what I do as American Women. Our mission says we are a force for truth, a reasoned, nonpartisan voice for the agriculture community to the public. This led me into also being, oh, I was a liaison to the United States Soybean Board for a while, where I sat on their communications committee, and that was actually when Common Ground came into being. So I had a little bit of input into how Common Ground through the United States Soybean Board and the National Corn Board would look in each state. I was the I was responsible then for starting the North Dakota Common Ground, a group for women to share what we do on our in agriculture to the outside world to to other women that aren't understanding why we use certain practices. Uh, that is where the GMO type uh, practice, how we're using those and why. A lot of explaining. We did a lot of projects with that. And so it fits right. Everything I did actually fits right into what I'm doing now with American Women. And so do you have any ongoing projects that you guys are working on or, or anything of note that people should know about right now? If you would go to our website, AmericanAgriWomen.org, or you can find us on Facebook, the thing is, is uh, under my leadership now, we have started Stand Up, Speak Out for Ag. And it is 
it's strong. It's it's a stand up, speak out for our practices, for what we grow, for why we do it. It's very similar to common ground in that respect. Uh, it is actually, uh, we, we decided we would do this instead of speaking to farmers, we put these press releases and op-eds out to the public that are non-agriculture. We want them to know what we're doing and we wanna know why. Stand up, speak out for ag is probably one of our strongest activities that we've done for several, several years. Uh, we have done other things. Uh, we, we've had projects where we talk about sharing our food, uh, how we go about doing that. Ag Day 365 is another component of what we do because ag is every day, 365 days a year. That one we use primarily when we're going to fairs and uh, doing things in the public where there's children and we need to explain to them about how we protect the pollinators and how we protect our plants that actually the pollinators feed on. So we do have those projects, but Stand Up Speak Out is far the best right now. It's telling people what we do again. But we also are the ones that started Ag in the Classroom because we knew it was a very, very important part of what we do is sharing with children of certain school age what agriculture is about because otherwise they're so far removed. And it started under John Block, actually, uh, our um, Ag Secretary. Uh, some of the women went to him and said, you know, we need this put in put into our role as women in agriculture. And so that's how Ag in the Classroom actually got going. I'm pretty proud of that, actually. Looking at the role that women play within agriculture, has that changed over time or is it evolving in today's world? It is evolving. I'll give you a couple examples of how our job has changed. So, yes, I kind of forced myself into our farm because I wanted to be active. I wanted to do that. But there was a lot of women who did not. And it kind of leads into the, the whole issue about our ag statistics, too. So when I was first farming and I was with a lot of neighbors, that there was a lot of women. Some of us worked in the field. Some of us did not. There was many women who actually took care of, they were the prime person who milked the cows while the husband or the uh, children uh, went out and did feeding or planting, whatever it was. Some of the women taking care of the books, uh, which I did at that time, uh, taking care of the books and the role that we played has changed. And I'd like to kind of feed that into our agriculture uh, statistics and why there's more women farmers. It's because we saw ourselves as different. We were the wife to the farmer. There was one farmer on a farm and that was the male spouse usually. We all farmed and with these stats that came out five, you know, within the last five years, it's showing more women farmers because we're stepping up and saying, hey, we are farmers. We go out, we milk the cows. We go out and we feed the animals. We go out, we work in the fields. We uh, take care of the books. Um, we promote agriculture. That's all part of being a farmer. So I always, I tell the story about my husband and how I felt 
you know, when we first got married, I did all these things. I fed the baby pigs, but I'm not a farmer, right? So the stats are usually, were usually filled out and sent in by the male spouse. A lot of the time they were never sent in. One of the reasons, kind of a stubborn crew of, of gentlemen, they thought, nope, the government doesn't need to know what I'm doing. The less the government knows, it's just, it was always that. And so I told my husband that story here probably about three years ago when we were filling in those um, surveys and he felt so guilty, he went and dug the, the survey form out of the trash and sent it in. And I told him, I said, this is so important. This goes back to the programs that are that our USDA works with. If we don't have enough farmers, we don't get the funding for the programs that we need. So it's about time that we start counting the female part or the grown children part as farmers as well. And I think that makes sense. Now, you mentioned several statistics or at least alluded to them, and I just want to touch on some of those. According to the 2017 U.S. Census of Agriculture, there were 1.2 million female producers, which amounts to over one third of all farmers. That is a 5% increase from the 2012 Census of Agriculture. So ultimately, if I'm hearing you correctly, you know, women have always been and played a very critical role in farming operations. It's just that the perception that women themselves hold of being a farmer is changing. They're they're recognizing, hey, wait, no, I, I legitimately am making a lot of these contributions to the farm. Therefore, I should be counted as a farmer. Correct. I feel very strongly that is what's happening. And it's probably because of organizations like ours and other organizations, whether it's Farm Bureau, Farm Union, whatever. We're all talking about it. Those are part of the projects that we're, we're talking about as far as women are farmers. And there's a lot more women single farmers now. And when I say that, I don't mean that they're not married. I just mean, or with a, with a friend, they, they're starting the farms themselves. There's many more grants out there now for women and veterans. There's many more grants that are being put together for small farms. Uh, and not all small farms uh, produce just small product because we have a lot of women that are starting hop farms, uh, you know, because our breweries are, are sprouting all over the place. There's also the hydroponic where uh, there's a lot of tomatoes and things that are grown in greenhouses through the hydroponic method. And a lot of those are women that are starting those projects. So as we changed and as we demanded that we be counted as farmers or didn't demand, but it just came about, we see the progress out there as far as farming again. And I really want to say too that there are the commodity groups because I had a part in this and I felt very strongly about it uh, when we had all these men that were sitting on these boards and there was very few women, if any. We were perceived as the one ones that stayed home with the kids, or we were the ones that had that next part-time job off the home. And so the men were all sitting on these boards. It was perceived that they knew more about what was going on within those boards, whether it be 
your uh, organizations like Farm Bureau, Farm Union, or whether it be your commodity groups, soybean, corn, wheat, or whether it be your uh, regular, um, like your elevator boards or that type of thing, it was usually the men. Well, we put together many projects and I really was a force for doing this in many organizations where we were looking for women to be on boards. This last year uh, through Wolf uh, Senex Harvest, through CHS, um, I was able to get a, a grant uh, to bring in 12 young women into our American Agriwomen annual meeting. And then I hosted a panel discussion and it was called, It's About Time. And it's about time that women see themselves as part of the the full circle of agriculture and they can sit on boards as well as any man can. I mean, I'm not out there promoting all women, women, women. I'm just saying that these women actually, I mean, they are brilliant and they can view agriculture as good as men. Um, I sat on the um, uh, Northern Crops Institute board and I got to be chair. It was amazing what I learned. It was amazing the amount of women that were out there that stepped up and started being a part of these boards uh, that, that actually was a foundation of what Northern Crops Institute is. And I feel that the promoting of young women on these boards, standing up, speaking out, sitting on these agriculture boards, it's about time. This panel then was a group of women like myself that sat on different boards, whether it be women uh, or or whether it be a, a board that you perceive as being for men, or whether it be your town council, your church board, whatever it is. It's It was important that we start getting the word out there that these different organizations need the diversity of women on those boards. And so that's where I come in and that's where I think that um, I fell into place trying to get more women and young women to be on these boards. I I feel very strongly about it. Of course, there are a lot of successful females in agriculture. How important is it to see successful women leading agricultural companies or organizations? For example, Beth Ford at Lando Lakes comes to mind. I think it's very important. And I know that I'm the president of an all-women agriculture association which already gives it a strange effect because you can be you can be president of your state or national uh, commodity board as well. We've had several of them. And well, you were talking about Beth Ford. Yes, Beth Ford. She does a great job. We've had two uh, women uh, that were uh, presidents of United States soybean board or one anyway that I know very well and same with we had the corn board as well the national level we had a woman uh, within the last 10 years uh, step up to the plate there I feel that um, another point that when you say Beth Ford I remember this we have all of these different um, ag days that we participate in we speak at and also when we're signing uh, the young people up from high school and going into college. 
And I know that for a fact that the Land Lakes, they always have someone there, you know, making sure that people know that they need, I think this one year it was 4,000 jobs and that they had. And, peop- and there was many young people that weren't stepping up to their table. We discussed it a little bit. And it's because young people perceived those as only being people that came from farms and knew what agriculture was about. So one of the projects that I took on then was to make sure that these uh, college-bound young people saw that someone like Land O'Lakes, they don't need just people that know about agriculture. They need scientists. They need people who work with the consumers. I mean, there's a whole host of jobs within these large companies, whether it be CHS or Land O'Lakes, or whether it even just be your local elevator type boards, they need people that are professionals to work on those, to work to work in those big companies. And so that is something too that we try to promote. So what can really be done to get more women involved in agriculture and agribusinesses? Well, I think we're doing it. I think what we're doing, getting it out there, uh, whether it be at a college level, high school level, uh, whether it be a promotion as far as, let's just say, our group, we've been out there working very hard to get it known that we need women on these boards. We need women to be involved in agriculture, and we need to direct them where to go if they, if they are interested. We've talked about some perceptions and things like that. You just used an example, even not necessarily specifically women, but just young students who don't come from farms who, you know, go to a career fair and don't even, you know, they pass up the Lando Lakes of the world thinking that, hey, I didn't come from a farm. How am I going to work for an agriculture organization? But it kind of brings me back to one of the other statistics from the egg census, and that's over two-thirds of female producers work on a farm with more than one operator. Uh, what's interesting is the breakdown of decision-making. You alluded to it earlier in your own example that female producers were most likely to be involved in day-to-day operations and record-keeping slash financial management. I think that kind of gets back to the point of perception is that you don't have to necessarily be handling livestock every day or driving a tractor to play a critical role in the success of a farming operation. Exactly. Women do actually sometimes I think a larger part than uh, the men do if we're talking about a family farm, just because everything we do promotes that family farm. Even if it's just making sure that everybody's fed, there's this whole thought process that we're in the middle of changing. And I'm not saying that women are changing and they're not feeding their families. They are. But the other half of that organization or that farming activity, those those people are, are doing different things as well. I know that my husband, he can cook a meal as well as I do. An example, years back, we started getting a, um, a lot of foreign exchange workers. Great program. As we were growing, as our farm was growing, we needed to get those foreign exchange workers to help with what we were doing because like if the kids were going to school we're not going to keep them out of school and so getting these workers well then i started working off the farm and so my husband he would bring everybody in at noon and cook for them so we've exchanged roles 
So looking back on your farm journey to this point, what message do you have for the ladies listening along who either might not see themselves as farmers or alternatively to the younger ladies who might be interested in pursuing a career in agriculture? What advice would you have for them? I would advise them to get as involved as they can in their community because their community is going to be able to back them as they start their process. Even the women that are uh, working on the farms now and they're not seeing themselves as doing the job of a farmer per se, I really think that they need to get out, they need to talk to other farmers. Uh, There's a lot of women out there that do both. I think that by talking about what we do on the farm and making sure that we get a lot of podcasts out like this one, (laughs) that you get more people involved. People say, oh, well that woman, she is taking part of her farming operation. Why couldn't I follow the same lead? I know that there was a time when there was a lot of women also that were taking part in farm organizations that didn't even think about themselves as being a farmer. I don't understand why that was, but that was just the thought process at that time. So then, Carolyn, I'll I'll ask you this. Kind of looking into your crystal ball, what's next for agriculture and also the movement of women in agriculture? What do you see as kind of coming down the pike in terms of of how this industry is, is going to be changing? I think women bring a different value into agriculture. And that is where a lot of the specialty crops that we're now starting to see uh, where women actually are the lead processor of that specialty crop. I see that there is women uh, leaders in um, in our Congress that are actually farmer, farmers. And I feel that the more people we get involved within our uh, legislative part of it, that will become easier for women to uh, get funding to start farms or to continue to farm. And I do think that women are needed in the projects that are within the schools. And I think that the men are needed there too. And because of that, we need more children visiting our farming uh, community so that they can see what's coming up the pike for them and where they fit in if they want to be in agriculture. Well, great. Carolyn, thank you very much. It's been a very insightful podcast here today. We appreciate you coming on and and sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you so very much. This has been a a project in, in the making as far as what I consider myself. So thank you very much. You're welcome. That is Carolyn Zern, president of the American Agro Women. That's going to do it for us on this episode of the Rural Perspectives podcast, which is a production of Egg Country Farm Credit Services. To get more great content, please visit eggcountry.com. Thank you.